the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Tonight, in the next two segments, we're going to be talking to a, a trainer who's going to tell us how do we stay in physical shape while we're enduring the coronavirus pandemic. So with us tonight is a returning guest. I haven't had him on for quite a while, Rick Delarosa. Rick, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, tell us um, about, well, first off, I introduced you as being a, a trainer. Uh, you, you've been involved in training and diet and all, all of these health things for about how long now? Well, I graduated from Cleveland State in 1991, so definitely over 20 years in the business here and, and still going there. So, Well, 20 years, but I remember I met you about 20 years ago. You must have just been getting started. Just in the beginning, yeah, just in the beginning stages probably, yep. Well, you, uh, from what I remember, and you probably have completed these last 20 years doing the same thing you started out doing 20 years ago. And that is working with uh, the the whole person, the body, the mind, the, the diet, and those kinds of things. Uh, how has that been working for you? It's been working great. And uh, the key is, like I said, you have to have a system uh, in terms of nutrition exercise to deliver to people based upon what their goals are and or their conditions. Um, a lot of times I will simply do what they call a fit check and assess their uh, five components of fitness to kind of see what they are physically. But more importantly, the diet plays a big part in terms of not dieting, as per se, as to focusing on a set of eating habits that will establish the behaviors to change that will be not just short-term, but long-term. Well, when we talked about uh, the diet part, that's something you do on your own. But as far as the workout part, that's typically done in the gym somewhere, right? Yes. But fortunately, unfortunately, with the the COVID situation that uh, allowed us to actually do, you know, remote or um, in-person FaceTime or uh, I do Google Duro with, with clients based upon what kind of phone they have um, because of that, the being not be able to come face to face and some people uh, like not to do that. So technology has allowed us to uh, use that avenue now versus uh, the traditional in-person just to be more on the safe side and things like that. But it's also convenient too. Well, that's why I wanted to let you bring up COVID because you know, we here at the Advocate have been talking about COVID since March and it hasn't gone away. Um, no. But yet, people have to learn how to live with COVID and, and learn how to uh, actually take care of their bodies. How, how has that been working with the new COVID world? Well, I mean, uh, I would say that even when you approach me uh, and any of my clients uh, since day one, never came to say, hey, Rick, I want you to help me improve my immune system. It was always about losing weight or, or that was the common thread. Most people want to lose weight. Maybe few people want to get healthier overall, but they really may not understand how to ex- express that. 
But in fact, exercise, you know, and nutrition, of course, but exercise drives your, your body's ability to deliver blood flow throughout your body. And if you're eating the right proper foods, the, the content of your blood that flows through your body as a result of physical exercise will deliver to your cells to create that system of um, improving your immunity, basically, in a nutshell. So with the COVID situation, it's mm-hmm. always been, but people don't really understand the connection um, as they would going into this. But it's even more important today than it has ever been before. How, how strong can you actually influence the improvement and strengthening of your immune system? Well, three key things here, uh, is Nick, is that number one, it increases, like I said, it increases blood flow. It decreases your stress, and that the stress decreases as a result of endorphins that are a result of exercise. Now, the more intense your workout is as you progress, the more progressive your endorphin intake is going to be, which, which is the hormone that releases stress and makes you feel good after the fact. You know, it's kind of like that euphoric effect. And then finally, you know, it um, helps strengthen your antibodies simply because of the increased blood flow. So those are three specific points of how it's going to help you affect and impact your immune system to, for example, be stronger in the, in the light of this pandemic. Well, looking at the converse of exercising and generating en- endorphins and so on, uh, if, if we're sheltering at home here and we're all scared to death about the COVID, does fear have an adverse effect on your immune system at all? Oh, definitely. I mean, stress, stress, fear, they're all kind of coupled. If you think about it, stress, anxiety, all those things kind of branch off of that. Um, and so, again, getting back to the effect of exercise as a form of actually the endorphin effect that we talk about a lot, that helps you relieve that stress. Not not 100%, but at least temporarily, usually finally at the exercise of the workout. And, uh, you know, kind of helps you sustain a level of uh, sanity, if you will, as a result of that. So, um, well, well, that's a good term, a level of sanity. Yes, very good. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, well, as as we're going through this now, in your experience, have you run across many people who have actually been infected with COVID? Um, not directly, um, as far as clientele, but uh, people within their circle have, and um, not directly as far as my practice working with clients. Uh, I haven't had any uh, that I'm aware of at this point. But um, again, getting back to my, my emphasis to them and to the public and when I do my blogs is to, we, this is even more important than it ever was before because of what's going on today. I mean, it's pretty common sense, but <clears throat> it needs to be a reason. Well, well, it is. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's really important that people do this. To me, it's even more important than using the, the social distancing and the mask. Those are just barriers. Uh, to protect us, but in, in essence, your your immune system is only strengthened through proper diet and exercise. It's always been there. Are, are you still going to the gym? And if so, how safe are they because of the spread of COVID through people who are asymptomatic, don't even know they right. have it? Yeah, I mean, the larger chain, the larger stu- uh, club-type studios, not studios, but the, like the, the bigger fitness centers and um, Community centers are places that are a little bit more, uh, you have to be more careful because there's more volume of people coming in. And even though they have, they try to put the proper precautions, you just never know because a lot of times you're touching things and you don't remember that when you go to work out in some of these gyms, working on the equipment and things like that. 
um, you may tend to forget, and that's all it would take for you to, you know, not wash your hands after you get on one piece of equipment to another, and then you might run into that problem. Because I, frankly, I think that a lot of this has been contacted through touch more than the droplets that, you know, you wear a mask for. But we just simply forget to wash our hands. If you're in a, a big club and you're using machines and equipment like that, versus what I work in with my clients is a small studio, uh, which is basically just me and the client, but we keep our distance. I wear, uh, we wear masks. Um, you know, that's a lot safer. And we also, uh, because we have hand sanitizer and whatnot right with us, we make sure that we do that within the process of our session. So it's a lot easier versus, like, say, you or I going to a club and, you know, we're going to run a treadmill, then we go work out or we do change. Are you really going to remember to wash your hands every time you get off a piece of machinery and go into another one? Well, one of the things with there being more COVID out there, the number of positive cases are just uh, ex exploding out there. That means that there are more people who are wandering around at various right. stages of having the coronavirus and, and either don't know it, or I would not hope that someone would have it and still knowingly go out and about with it. Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm sure there's people even that have it and they go out anyway because and or again the scary thing is they don't know they have it but the, i think the point is that you know getting back to going into a, a exercise facility a bigger commercial places you're you're running more of a risk in my opinion uh and it's better to temporarily just kind of stay home and uh do it remotely if possible and most of these facilities have adapted to do that for their for their members you know so when you go to when you go to a gym, if you have to go to a gym, weather is getting colder. It's going to be snowing soon, and ice and that kind of thing. And you're going to be in a gym. Uh, what should you bring with you? You're going to have to have a mask, hand sanitizer. Uh, anything else? Right. What, you should, what should you be prepared to do? You probably want to bring an extra change of clothes because you know. And I actually wear gloves. You probably want to wear like workout gloves, or even if you have like a, you can get regular. Um, you know, plastic gloves, plastic gloves, but you know the rubber gloves, stuff like that, to, to wear as another barrier. Especially if you're again, you're going to be working on multiple pieces of equipment and using dumbbells. You know, you just run a risk of doing that. So I recommend that you wear gloves in addition to having hand sanitizer and wearing a mask, of course. But um, it's really difficult to do that when you're working out in a mask. I, I've tried doing it. I can't do it, to be honest with you. So that's why I, I opt for remote. Uh, that type of thing. So, remote training. When you wear gloves, I'm assuming we're talking about like the rubber gloves or plastic gloves that are disposable. Yes. Or if you have workout gloves that are full, but sometimes those, those full workout gloves are like half um, something and then another barrier. But then again, you, you have to do a lot more of that type of thing than you really, really want to do. It's kind of inconvenient, but uh, if that's what you want to do. That's what I would recommend in addition to, like I said, not having your mask and having sanitizer every time. But. Well, I see. Let's, let's take a short break. We're talking to uh, fitness trainer Rick Delarosa, talking about COVID and, and how to stay physically and a result of that mentally fit during this COVID pandemic. We'll take a short break. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, the advocate. We'll be right back. Back Cleveland, Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. We're talking to Rick Delarosa, a longtime physical trainer, 
helping us through the COVID pandemic, but how do we stay in physical and mental shape uh, and still not contract or spread the coronavirus? Uh, again, Rick, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Uh, we were talking before the last break about uh, what you should do if you're going to a gym. And you mentioned it's hard to work out with a mask. If you go to a gym, a public gym, uh, and you have people around and they have their machines spaced around and that kind of thing, but yet if, if anybody's actually getting their heart rate up and really working out, they're probably not going to have a mask on. Is is that the what you've been seeing out there? Well, actually, uh, I, I imagine that's the case. I personally don't uh, visit big uh, gym facilities. I'm not a, I don't remember remember one. I would imagine that to be the case. It's it, like for me, I, I would wear a mask. And as a matter of fact, today I was just running to the store with a mask on, just from the, my car to the to the store, and it was hard for uh -huh. me to breathe. I mean, it, it's not a matter of you know, that I'm not a shape, just that you wouldn't have that barrier on you like that. It's, it's, for me, I mean, I'm talking for me, it's hard. I, don't, I can imagine how it would be for people in the gym trying to, you know, work out the mask the whole time they're there. Well, I, I would think from a medical standpoint, people who are working out in the gym and really getting their heart rate up and getting their respiration really huffing and puffing, and if they are asymptomatic, taking that mask off, even with the mask, they're, they're going to be literally a fountain of uh, viruses, and uh, is, is it is it worth the risk uh, getting out there? If you're someone who, let's say you're 60 years old or older, is it worth the risk? I I don't think it is. I, I think it's not worth the risk, <laughs> personally. You can actually go walk outside if that's the case. In the meantime, you know, we have to adapt, and uh, if that means at least walking around in your neighborhood, uh, that's a lot safer and it's still going to give you a benefit versus trying to take your chances in the gym and I mean, at this stage. And we're only a month or two months out to the end of the year and they're already coming up with a virus vaccine. I think people, my best advice is to kind of ride it out and do what you can at home versus try to venture out into the group at this point, in my opinion. So I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that. But Well, what are some good exercises we can do at home? Uh, to at least keep our tone up and get us through April when the vaccine is supposed to be available. Well, I mean, you everybody has a kitchen sink. <laughs> what I do is hey, we have one, yeah. <laughs> we have indoor yeah, plumbing have also. <laughs> <laughs> well, a kitchen sink, for example, and uh, this is more geared toward people that are a little older, uh, but even if you're not, I use the sink as actually like a, uh, we do squats, you can do push-ups, you can do like a squat push and pull routine right from your sink. You hold on to the sink, you just do squats, and then uh, you can do push-ups, push standing push-up variation, and then a pull toward the sink as well. So that's a real simple, they call full-body sink workout that I do with people. That's more in particular some of my senior clients because that way they're stable, but yet they can have a good workout and be safe, and it's kind of like a self-spotter. Well, that's good. A lot of people have Fitbits and, and these wrist uh, wristwatch-type uh, physical monitors that they wear. Uh, right. Those are good to have. Maybe a good time to to get that uh, and get it on either now or get it for Christmas to uh, help, help you know what's going on. Uh, yeah, yeah. As, as you yeah. do the exercising, how how often should you exercise if you're doing it at home? Well, in terms of studies, they're they're saying that to, to weather the storm here with the COVID, you want to do something at least three times a week. And particular, I'm, I'm referring to like uh, total body workouts. You know, like in particular body weight training would be preferable at least three times a week total body. 
um, at the very least to really build some kind of immunity, uh, <clears throat> uh, strengthen the immunity system to, to do that, uh, whether it's through mm-hmm. body weight training or cardiovascular training, walking, whatever you can do that, that you're able to do at this point, uh, but at least three times a week, they say at least 30 minutes, give or take uh, at least three times a week, minimum. Well, but what we've been doing, my wife and I, with Fitbits, we've been able to count our, our steps. We figure around 2,500 or more is about a mile, 2,500 steps. Seems, yeah, seems to work out around that way. Right. And they say, you know, if you have 10,000 steps, they give you goals and stuff like that. So. Well, the, the neat thing is that uh, you know, we'll just walk around on the inside of the house on a, on a circuit within the house, going through the kitchen, the dining room, into the bedroom, and just keep walking. It's incredibly boring, but you know, you just keep a keep a watch on how many steps you're doing, and uh, right. we, you we can do that into the winter time. Oh, definitely, and, and then this you have it out with you throughout the day. You're doing your normal chores around your house, cleaning. You know, that that still adds up. You know, because it doesn't have to be all at one time. You can do it in, in spurts. Uh, it's just a, a cumulative uh, in terms of step things that you do per day that will give you the benefit. You don't have to, like you said, walk around your house and definitely for like 30 minutes. But it's it's the cumulative amount of steps you do per day that over time is going to give you the benefit. Your body adapts to that, just like if you're walking outside or walking on a treadmill in a club. You know, in in your studies and readings and your uh... Any of the webinars you're attending or, or staying up to date, what, what are they saying about exercise if you happen to have COVID, if you get it? Uh, is there any instruction or guidelines you're hearing? Well, I mean, if the people that have it and they're recovering from it, the, the exercise recommendations are still the same. Because COVID is still new uh, in, the, in terms of those that have it and what's the what's the after effect, what they do, what's the effect of that. It's pretty much handled the same way uh, if and if you don't have it. You know, and you have to play it by ear in terms of how you feel. But you definitely want to work with a professional to assess you and uh, monitor you, especially if you do have it and you're coming off the you know, cases of that uh, to guide you the right way, just like if you would in, in a normal situation, as mm-hmm. far as I know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting is how you do that. I'm wondering also, it would seem logical to me that if you're, if you end up unfortunately getting COVID, COVID-19, that if you're in a better physical condition going into it, you stand a better chance of coming out of it in a better condition. Have you heard anything about that? Is that true or my imagination? That's definitely true. I mean, there might be a rare case, but uh, unfortunately, we don't see real specific uh, cases and numbers result of those who actually come through that or whatnot. But I would definitely say that, and I'm not the only one that says that, that you being fit and continue to live a healthy lifestyle in the midst of COVID would put you in a very low risk factor there versus those that don't. I mean, it's almost it's obvious. Well, as I, I think I briefly mentioned before, is that with the rates of positivity going up, uh, we're going to have more of an opportunity individually to be exposed to people who have COVID. So I think unless it gets turned around or we get to the vaccine sooner than April, uh, we have to be very careful and be prepared that it it might strike closer to home, which we don't want it to do. Uh, Are there any um, other recommendations you have on how to avoid getting it while you're working out, other than staying at home and working out? Well, I mean, again, I, I, I lean more towards staying at home, using the wearables of the uh, 
the, the apps and things like that you can use to, remotely to facilitate your exercise. And it's good to use technology because it's very convenient. And, it's, again, it adds a different dimension. And you don't get as bored. And it, it kind of keeps you active, interacting with, the, with, your, with your health, in a sense, because you're tracking, uh, things like that. Uh, with my clients, I use my own app. And we, we talk about, for example, things like tracking your food, um, coaching eating habits. And really, that's, a, that's what I heavily focus on with people, with clients. And I was just, a, a, I call that 10 commandments of eating that we've talked about before. Because it's a daily thing that we need to be aware of, and we can always tweak things as we need to because things change in our day um, to fuel this um, healthier lifestyle. To uh, in the last couple of minutes here, let's give you a commercial here. What, what, tell us about your app and how do people get onto it and see what's going on? Well, the basic thing you can go to blamelessbodyfitness.com and just fill out a contact form there, and then we can take it from there. And then we, what I do is we have we set up a we call free test drive and through that um, if you qualify and you're ready to go with our program then I send you an activation email to get connected to the app and then we go from there so that, that way it's secure and uh, ready to well, go. Well this is radio this is radio we don't have any video going with us so could you spell your website? Okay it's B L A M E L E S S Blameless Body Fitness Com. Okay, blamelessbodyfitness.com. And this is a free app? Yes, sir. well, this, this, this is actually my website. And through the website, we can connect, and then at that point, we can set up a, either a, a remote test drive or an in-person test drive, and then through that process, you, I would then send you an activation email to be connected to my app. That's kind of how the process would go. Well, outstanding. Well, thank you for helping us understand how to stay healthy, because... We're going to have you on again, and we're going to talk about diet and uh, you know, mental alertness and, and trying to keep ourselves and our minds in a positive uh, frame of mind so that we, we get through this uh, with, with minimum difficulty. So anyway, Rick Delarosa, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks, Nick. Thank you very much. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. And in the next two segments, we're taking a break from COVID-19, finally. Uh, we're going to be talking about something that has been with us for many, many years. And I'm not talking about the person, but I'm talking about the music that we've been living with. And it's uh, the music that has been for many of us. I think you're right, both. <laughs> yes, you're right. Well, that's a, the familiar voice. Uh, we know him as Cousin Brucey. Uh, he, his real name, his full name is Bruce Morrow. He's been in rock and roll and the music that we love since the beginning of it. So, uh, cousin, can I call you Cousin Brucey or call you Bruce Morrow? What do you prefer? Oh, no, you call me Cous, Cousin Brucey. What is I, I know you as Cousin Brucey. Cousin Brucey. And, and I'm Cousin Nick. Okay. Hey. Thank you, Cousin Bruce. What an honor to be called Cousin Nick by Cousin Bruce. That's historic. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you you have met everyone in rock and roll. And I was just uh, going over the kind of music. You know, growing up in the 60s, 
we we had, of course, the Beatles with the British invasion. Prior to that, we had rock and roll with Elvis Presley and, and rock. We had Motown. We had beach music. We had folk rock. We had it all at once and truly formed the uh, soundtrack of, of many of our lives. So it was before we had videos. We didn't have music videos, so we just had our own memories to go back to these songs. Uh, tell us, you know, how how did you start getting into this whole area? Well, Nick, Cousin Nick, I was very lucky. I grew up probably in the first uh, generation of rock and roll babies. I a mentor, my guy that I listened to, and I'm sure you're familiar with, and everybody in Cleveland area, obviously, Alan Freed. Of course. In New York. And Alan came to New York. We never He sounded like our new music. He used to pound on telephone books, and his uh, speech was like the cacophony and the the beat of rock and roll. So I sort of uh, went up, and I used to sit outside the window at a radio station, WINS in New York, where he held court. And one day, while I was watching, he noticed me, because he saw I came up several times, and he motioned to me to come in. I got very nervous. I got scared. I went in, and he greeted me, and I told him my name. And he says, you want to do this? And the, I said, yes, sir. I love what I love what you sound like, and I love it. He says, don't. This is boring. Go into your father's <laughs> business. So I, I, I'm very happy I did not listen to Alan Freed. I did okay. I did okay. And I, I've been doing this ever since. And I, I love, Nick, I love what I do. And uh, the, the shows have changed greatly over Dec- decade and a half. And now it's really more of a variety show than somebody just playing records and telling time and giving station breaks and weather reports. It, it's really become part of people's lives. So I do a lot of talk on it. We do a lot of telephones. We have interviews on it. And of course, the mix of the music and gadgets uh, that I use on the show. So it's a, really has become a variety thing. Well, you know, uh, we've been listening to you on Sirius XM for oh, about the last, what, 10, 15 years, I think. And uh, yeah. that's how many of us out here in the rest of the country have gotten to know you. Uh, t- tell us about uh, your transition now. You're, you left Sirius XM, and where are you going? All right. Well, let me tell you why I left. I was there for 15 years. And it was 15 very good years. It was nice. It was fun. But one day I woke up halfway through, maybe a little more, and I realized there was something missing, Nick. I I wasn't I wasn't satisfied. I mean I was doing very well. We had a tremendous it was I was just not pleased with what I was doing. I'm a broadcaster. I miss my local feeling very much. At the Sirius XM extremely um uh, successful it's a corporate thing. So I, I coined a new phrase, corporate radio. And that's what I was doing. I wasn't doing my feel human type radio. So I left there uh, on Saturday nights, they call me from their car. One day, a guy comes over to me, a man says, you know who you're talking to? I said, no, because that's John Castanetis. He just bought WABC. I said, what do you mean? He bought a, a person, bought this monster power radio station. One guy bought a radio station like this. Not only that, right. he wrote a personal check. I mean, do you hear what I just said? You know, uh, Nick, 
He wrote a personal check card. You and I will go to a, a department store and write a check. So uh, we started talking a little more seriously than his request for Elvis and the Beatles. And uh, I told him, you know, I think I'm ready to make a move after 15 years. And uh, about a year later, he called me, and we sat down and had a serious talk. A day later, I signed the contract with him. And here we go. So, And I've been on the air now a couple of weeks. I'm on the air Saturday night from 6 to 9 o'clock Eastern. And uh, it's at 77, and there's lots of ways of receiving it. Because it's not only local. Uh, there's no such thing as local anymore, as you know. We now reach all over the country. The smallest radio station now has the power of reaching this globe uh, with this internet right. and, and other streaming abilities. So I went on about two weeks ago, and I got to tell you something. I uh, I am so happy. I have that feeling again of radio. I don't know if you knew Nick, but I own several radio stations. I'm an owner, and uh, I sold them. I own a TV station down in Atlanta. And I own many radio stations all over the Northeastern and the seaboard. Um, so I, I, I know my radio. I know what I want to do. So now I'm on the air. I have this feeling of I know what's going on in my city. And I'm letting everybody else know. People are kind of curious about New York City. And I finally achieved, I think, the full circle of my career. And it's a very long circle, large circle, plenty to go. I think I've achieved what I want, and I have that local feeling. Again, I'm reaching all over the nation thanks to streaming and thanks to uh, Internet and apps and things like that. So you have your local your local audience, and we have a pretty large local audience. You know, when I was on the air, I left uh, WABC, Nick, about 46 years ago, believe it or not. Isn't that wild? I was, I was only three wow. of you. Time flies. Out. Oh. <laughs> yes, it does. It really does. And... Uh, <laughs> We were reaching, you know, at night when I went on the air, the ionosphere goes up, so I'm reaching 38, 40 states. That's how I got a national image. Uh, the same thing happens today, but now we have the, as I said, the Internet. We have streaming. Uh, you can go on Google. You can go on Alexa. You can go on Sano. You can go uh, on Siri. There are so many ways of receiving a local-class national radio station. So, as I said, I think I've achieved what I've been frustrated about. Well, I can hear it in your voice. You do sound very content with being back at WABC. And uh, I, I'm assuming you're probably broadcasting remotely because of the darn virus. Is that how that's working? Well, honestly, no. Uh, I did one that my uh, shows from my home upstate. We have a home upstate. I live in Manhattan. And I did my show from here. But, you know, uh, I went into WABC, and I felt very secure. The, the studios are two weeks old. They're brand new. Uh, everybody gets tested there. I feel very secure. Anyone around me uh, wears masks and keeps their distance. So I've been doing my show from the studio, which I intend to continue. As you and I well know, there is nothing better than the culture and the, and the feeling of being in a studio, a radio studio. There's something magical about it. I do have, in my contract, and I do have a facility, a Comrax machine, a little box that would allow me to broadcast from anywhere I want. So I have the uh, capacity of broadcasting from my home once again. But I'm going to stay in that studio as long as I'm comfortable. So I, I believe you as a broadcaster will understand that. I, I want to be in that room. 
and my uh, the studio has glass between the control room and myself, which is pretty nice and large in the. Uh, we're down in the center of Manhattan, and uh, it's a good feeling. And I, I think that relays to the audience. They know that it's something important that they're listening to. I, I, I could tell. Again, I saw, I hear it in your voice. You sound content. You sound like you are where you're supposed to be. And we're going to be able to listen to you every Saturday night on WABC. We'll just Google that, listen live, and go from there. We're, we're talking to Bruce Morrow. If you don't know him as Bruce Morrow, you know him as Cousin Brucey. Uh, he has been uh, sort of the center of rock and roll here in the United States since the beginning. And uh, with his history, with his knowledge, we're going to ask Brucey after the break to come back and drop some names. Being a name dropper is an important thing, and I want to hear some of those names. So we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back after these words. Don't go away. back Cleveland Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of the advocate for tonight and we're really happy to have with us tonight cousin Brucey Bruce Morrow uh, who's been with rock and roll and a DJ for decades and knows everyone who is in the uh, the business of rock and roll over the years cousin Brucey thank you for joining us My cousin Nick a pleasure real pleasure being with you uh, I love what you do I love that you communicate that's that's what we're all about that's what we what all of us on the air hope to achieve. And you've done this for it, a while, and congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, those years have gone by really, really quickly, and you've done it a lot longer than I have. And and before the break, I, I mentioned that I'd like you to drop some names because there are people out there who may be hearing of Bruce Morrow, Cousin Brucey, for the first time here in Cleveland. And uh, if if they're if they're just hearing about you now, they have to, to hear some of the incredible people who you've met. Um, so I, I know you started off before the Beatles, and you were involved oh, we, in, oh, yeah. in rock and roll. And who right are some of the people that you actually worked with? And before I give you that, I'm very familiar with Cleveland because I've, I've been very involved with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In fact, I was one of the very first to broadcast from their studios uh, right, in the, right on the top floor of, of the Cleveland Museum. Uh, so I'm very familiar uh, with Cleveland, thank you. and I've always enjoyed it. Now, uh, as far as who I've been with, uh, you, it'd be easy of you to name anybody, and I'll tell you, yes. I mean, we'll start uh, from Chuck Berry to Jerry Lee Lewis to the Everleys of the, uh, the of course, Elvis Presley. Elvis came with kind of a fun story. They brought him one day into my studio, and he wanted to come to thank me. And it, it was very tough for him. He couldn't go anyplace, couldn't walk around. So they, they uh, covered him with a blanket. He almost looked like a, a Native American chief when he came up to see me. And they oh. smuggled him into my studio, and he walks into the studio, and he uh, he said, I, I didn't know who it was. I It was all bundled up. And his uh, promotion guy said, this is Elvis. He wants to come and thank you. So I said, oh, Elvis? I got tongue-tied. And there he was, <laughs> takes the blanket off, unrolls the blanket. It looked like a, a beach, a bad beach movie. And he said, sir, sir, I just want to thank you, cousin, sir. He called everybody, sir. He was very polite. That was kind of wild. Of course, the uh, Beatles, that's a major part of my career. I introduced them at Shea Stadium during that concert, and uh, Ed Sullivan and I had the opportunity of bringing them on stage, and that was the day that 
probably nobody, including the Beatles, heard them perform. And there, there was such a huge cacophony of, of sound. We have a, um, an electrical uh, utility in New York City called Con Edison, Consolidated Edison. Uh-huh. And I swear, right. they could have turned their turbines off that day because there was so much electricity and energy coming from Shea Stadium. And that was a, an amazing time, amazing thing. And someday you and I have more time. I'll tell you the story of what happened at that day. Great story. And then, you know, you got if, if you end the show, I think, with Chad and Jeremy. I believe you were. Uh, we do. That That's right. Oh, well, we I had them on a, a show not so long ago. We did uh, a real good show from New York City, a remote. And, of course, now I, I still see uh, I still see Chad quite a bit and, uh, and uh, Jeremy and uh, see – he is performing. I think uh, Jeremy is performing now with uh, Peter Asher every once in a while. Really he is. I, I heard good. the two of them are going out. Yeah, very good. And they are ex- excellent together. But Chad and Jeremy, a wonderful group and uh, a wonderful duo. And I was very sad to hear, you know, when they when he sort of had to take a little uh, a respite. He had to take off a little bit. And then, you know, you have Dave Clark Five. You have the whole British invasion. I've been, I was over in Britain many times, Great Britain, doing television shows, uh, getting ready for them with Jerry and the Pacemakers. You know, you asked me to drop names, I'm almost... I sure, almost feel no, I'm hearing these. I must feel embarrassed. Eric Clapton, uh, you, you know, once again, you name anybody, I have such a long list, uh, they've been with because. Uh, I've been very privileged to help people. Leslie Gore, who we lost many, uh, several years ago at a very right. young age. She was a very dear friend, and her dear friend, Lou Christie. And uh, they keep coming up. Peter Asher's always with me. And uh, uh, we, we just have so many people that come to visit me to recall the old days and play their music, and they give me good stories. So as I said, the show has become a lot of variety, a lot of talk. And uh, I just love that. I'm very proud of that. It's, it has completely uh, changed. It's metamorphized. Metamorphized from uh, the old days uh, to what we have today. It's no longer, as I said, time and weather. It's a lot of fun. Well, well, it's so interesting because at various times you've been referred to as a radio icon and a national treasure, and, and one of the most important things you have is your memory and the stories you can tell because we listen to the music for all of us of the certain generations that enjoy the music of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 50s, that uh, you know these, these years are moving by quickly, as we talked about earlier, and your mm-hmm. stories are precious. We want to hear these because it adds real life and humanity to these these stories and songs that go back to our our earlier years. But uh, well, I know, you know even Nick, with yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say you're absolutely correct. That's very astute. Uh, almost every song that I play will have some kind of a some kind of a, a story attached to it. I don't do it to every single record, but I have stories for almost every one of them because they appeared with me at a place called Palisades Park, which I'm sure you're familiar ah, with. Ah, yes. Uh, of right, course. Palisades Freddy Park. Boom Boom Cannon song. Yeah, exactly. And Freddie's on the air with me. So I'll, I'll play Freddie Boom Boom Cannon, Palisades Park, or Tallahassee Lasky, or Abigail Beecher, or one of those songs. And I have stories <laughs> about him. You know, he's an artist. Uh, he's also a, a pretty accomplished artist. He loves to do portraits of the stars and he keeps sending them to me and I'll put them on my Facebook page. Right? So as I said, every time I play something, 
something, a synapse closes and I have a story. Because I've been with these people and they've come up and told me great stories. And I try to relate that. And you're right. It is going fast. And we have to make sure there's, this, these stories and this music is archived. I mean, it's part of a, an amazing multi-generation. Well, I, I do think those years were the, the, the best years. I remember back in college with the doors uh, being played in the dormitories at Kent State University. And I remember when I had my son, who was getting ready to graduate from high school, we went back to the Kent campus, and sure enough, somebody was playing the doors in a dormitory hanging with a speaker hanging out the window. So that music, uh, for a lot of people, a lot of generations, is still considered very, very good music. Yeah, you know, and can be, I'll tell you something. If you listen to some of the music today, some of them be like, take, take Bruno Mars, take the chicks, take, you, know, you hear the 60s in the music. You know, I have a theory that I know is real true. It's scientific. That each decade borrows a lot of music and the feeling uh, from the decade preceding. So the 40s begot the 50s, 50s begot the 60s. So if you listen to music today, You'll hear a lot of 60s in that music, a lot of 70s and 80s. Everybody borrows a little bit. So each generation is very comfortable with the preceding generations. The Doors, I can tell you stories about the Doors you wouldn't believe. I mean, amazing stories, amazing stories. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, well, if you I would tell it, I'd believe it. <laughs> we have a little more time. I would love to relate those to you. Well, we're going to have to do this again because as, uh, as as life goes on here, these stories become more important. And as we move beyond COVID, I, I know that this year, 2020, will be the COVID year forever. But uh, we're going to come back. We're going to be back to normal, and we're going to go back being able to enjoy all of these things. Nothing better than going to a live concert. And, and the artists from those days are becoming fewer and fewer. So we have to appreciate who yes. we have now as well. Exactly. I do a lot of... Uh... I did a lot of live shows, as did all of our, our great artists. Uh, I was talking to, like, Duke Fakir, founding member of the uh, Four Tops, just last week on the show. And he's, uh, you know, he would have been on the road every single day. He's still still doing it. And, you know, yet he can't go out like everybody. Everybody I talk to, they're just so frustrated. Tony Orlando, they just want to get out there, get back in front of an audience again. And like you say, we will. We'll get this. It's going to take some time. I mean, the magic bullet is not here. It's not going to be here no matter what anybody says. You listen to the scientists, and you know what's going on. You know, when I start my show, exactly. I, 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 very important, when I start my show, I say to the audience, Cousins, here's what we're doing. We're not talking politics tonight. I don't care what political side you're on. And we're not talking. We're not talking COVID. We're not talking about that blankety-blank nightmare we're going through. I want this to be three or four hours of escape and that's what we do and i don't i don't accept anything at all when people want to talk politics or about covid so you know now let's, let's talk about escape cousin yeah. brucey out of time but thank you so very much we're gonna have to have you on again love love listening to you and uh we talked about chad and jeremy we end our show with chad and jeremy's song called zanzibar sunset so thank you for recognizing uh, Chad and Jeremy. Cousin Brucey, thank you so much. And, and thank you to our listeners for listening tonight. We're going to be back here again next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Stay safe and healthy. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset. 
Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning I'd only my mind